Hello and welcome to That One Case, the podcast where lawyers share stories of the cases that influence their careers. My guest today is Dwayne Mathewitz, partner at Practice LLP in San Francisco. Dwayne is a mechanical engineer turned patent attorney, intellectual property litigator and California super lawyer. And with over 30 years experience protecting his clients and their products, Dwayne has taken all manner of IP challenges on across various industries, including electronics, manufacturing and mechanical devices. And on today's show, Dwayne tells us a story of a case that took over a decade to resolve and proves why persistence pays off. Well, I was working at the time with a uh, patent law firm, one of the big patent law firms in San Francisco. And this client came to uh, one of my partners and said he, he thought there was infringement of his patent. And my partner was a trademark partner. Uh, so he asked me to look into it uh, since I was a patent litigator and it was a mechanical device. So it was sort of the right fit. And so I started working uh, with this client and um, launched the litigation. And there we went for more than a decade. It was a sole inventor from Canada, kind of learned his trade from his his father. And and this was in the area of uh, making knee braces. And this was an orthopedic knee brace that is used for people who have osteoarthritis in their in their knee. So for instance, what the very simply what the brace did was when uh, if someone is uh, if the meniscus in the knee has been worn out or taken out or something, um, you get the bone on bone contact when when your leg is at at full extension. And this brace uh, had a special hinge to it that prevented that bone-on-bone contact. So it was it was a way to alleviate the pain without having to have uh, surgery. Now it could be used post-surgery too, but typically it was used to avoid surgery. So the the client, uh, you know, like I said, came to us. Um, he had a U.S. subsidiary in Seattle. The alleged infringer turned out to be an infringer uh, was from the dallas area so we filed a lawsuit up in the western district of washington in in 1995. and at the time did you did you get the sense that it was going to be a decade long case? did it smell like a decade long case like <laughs> <laughs> no not at all not at all you never expect them to take that long but this one just turned out that way. And, and the reason the case really, besides being a decade long, that, that really sticks in my mind is the fact that it had so many of the issues that we face as patent litigators over the course of our career all jammed into this one decade. Uh, so it was, it was really very, uh, a, a very interesting case. So, uh, just to give you sort of the run through of the case, we filed the case and then shortly thereafter, the defendant identified a certain piece of prior art that they said was going to invalidate the two patents that, that were at issue. And so the first thing we ended up doing was stopping the litigation on our own, uh, asking the patent office, the U.S. Patent Office, to re-examine the patents. Uh, so that took about a year and a half right off the bat. Uh, we 
we got the patents re-examined. The patent office said the claims are, are good uh, as originally written. And so then we went back to litigation. So about 97, we went to litigation. Um, so we did all the usual stuff in litigation and, and all the discovery and get the experts and all that together. And, and then the defendant filed a motion for summary judgment. And just a couple of years before that, there was a big U.S. Supreme Court case that dealt with the construction of, of claim terms and patents. And uh, we had not had a claim construction from the court, but this uh, judge decided that when, the, when he did the motion for summary judgment, he would also do the claim construction. So we had the hearing. He didn't accept the definitions that were offered by either side, came up with his own. Um, denied the motion for summary judgment and we got ready to go to trial um, the day before trial or maybe it was the evening before trial the defendant filed a motion in limine um, and request for further claim construction which was you know like out of the blue uh, and really caused us some some problems so we we picked a jury first thing in the morning uh, first day of trial, and then the judge said, come back after lunch and we're going to have a claim construction hearing. Now, anybody who does this these days knows that you s usually spend weeks preparing for a claim construction hearing. We had one hour to prepare for this claim construction hearing. Uh, we had the hearing after lunch. The judge said, um, I'll think about it came back in the morning and he said, here's my claim construction. What do you want to do? And I said, your honor, with that claim construction, I'm dead in the water. I can't, I can't prevail. So I suggested to, to the court that what we ought to do, the court should grant summary judgment of non-infringement, which would allow us to uh, take an appeal uh, to the federal circuit. Uh, Court of Appeals, uh, which we ended up doing. Um, so for me, that my that was my first experience of of arguing a case at the Federal Circuit Court of Appeals. That happened in 1999, and we got a decision from the court reversing the district court. And so we were back for a second trial, and this time we actually did go to trial. It was you know hard fought case. And it was a jury trial, as patent cases are uh, in the in the U.S. And the jury came back and awarded uh, or found infringement and awarded us. I think it was somewhere around three and a half million dollars in damages, plus uh, found that the patent infringement was willful. So the court added on to that. Uh, by about 50% and then gave us some attorney's fees. So that was, you know, sort of my first big judgment of, it came out to seven and a half million dollars, but of course that wasn't the end of the case at that point because the, uh, the defendant obviously appealed the case again to the Federal Circuit Court of Appeals. So I got to go back and argue that case at the Federal Circuit. Uh, again, the or in this case, we were the appellee, um, and we prevailed again at the federal circuit. And so the the judgment stood. 
the patent was uh, held not invalid and, and there was infringement. So we planned on collecting our money because we didn't think there was going to be any reason to appeal to the Supreme Court and, and they didn't. But what they did instead was file for bankruptcy. And so, so, so um, that's one that you don't often face. And the thing that, that was unusual about it is that the defendant was a, was a ongoing company, really didn't have you know, financial problems, but used the bankruptcy solely to try to avoid the, the litigation, the, the judgment, paying the judgment. And so that took me into the bankruptcy court. Um, and we hired bankruptcy counsel and we were able to show that in fact, this was all a ruse, that this was just intended to avoid the uh, payment of the judgment. And the court looked at it and said, okay, well, defendant, here's, here are your options. You can either let us appoint somebody to run your company, or you can try to get rid of this thing. And at that point, we're now 12 years, 11 or 12 years into it. And um, the defendant decided that they would pay the judgment. And uh, that put an end finally to the litigation. So it was a long time coming. Well, t tell me when that happened. Were you were you bored of this thing, or were, were you just sort of you know starting to miss it? The thought of it not being around anymore. You know, when you're working on something for a decade, it becomes a bit of a uh, maybe holds a special place in your heart. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, it did hold a special place in my heart, and part of it was just because the client was so great to work with. Uh, he was one of the things. He was a he was a hockey fan and. And I'm a hockey fan. He is a hockey fan and a hockey player. I'm a hockey fan and a hockey player. Um, and so we had that link and we went to a couple of games up in Vancouver when I was up visiting him. And he actually uh, built me a knee brace uh, during the course of this time because I tore my ACL playing hockey. And rather than have surgery, he built a brace for me it wasn't exactly like the one in trial, but very similar. And uh, I wore that brace for a couple of years. And so I was able to get back to playing hockey, wearing a brace, um, all because I had this, you know, this case. So it's funny how things work out. Incredible. That's so cool. That's amazing. That's really, really cool. And and on a professional level, is there anything that you kind of take away from this case uh, as as the sort of as a as a learning other than patience? <laughs> well, patience was the big one. Uh, the other thing was, I I will say, even though the, you know, the clients, um, my client and the defendant didn't get along very well, obviously because of the. Uh, um, competition there, but the defendant's counsel was was uh, very competent from a good firm in in Texas in in Dallas, and they were cordial, which was interesting because it it really drove home the point that you can you can be competitors in the courtroom, but you can be good people at the same time. And that was that was good. So it didn't 
so that as the case went on, even though it dragged on and we never knew what kind of, you know, new tactic they were going to use, at least we felt like we could deal with them on an honest level. And that was good. That was, that was very good. What an arduous process. Dwayne really must have uh, the patience of a saint to have carried on fighting that case for over 10 years. My thanks to him for sharing the story today. If you want to find out more about Dwayne and his firm, you can find all the links in the show notes over at thatonecase.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, I really would appreciate it if you shared it with one other person you think would also find it interesting. All the details on how to subscribe are over at thatonecase.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you again next time as Michelle Darnashrad tells us the story of that one case. Yeah.